It was a big Xbox day today. A lot of Xbox stuff. Yeah. Put the video out on Unbox Therapy with these guys over here. You know. These little, these little fancy boxes. Mm -hmm. Xbox Series S. Xbox Series X. Well, don't get carried away. You can't uh, slide a disc into that drive. You can't boot this one up just yet. These are placeholders for the time being. Mm -hmm. It's an early preview to the people out there. I did a little size comparison. You can go check out the video for yourself. But, of course, I got to have them on this set as well just to, uh, well, you know, uh, spruce. Hey, they man. Say. Yeah. I was going to say spruce up the place. No, no. To stunt. Is what's more extreme, stunting or flexing? If huh. which one is more, you've taken it further. <laughs> I feel like uh, flexing is uh, more of like a riches. <laughs> it's the cash. Okay. And stunting is um, more of like the posing. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Will he do? He's just Willie Dude's breaking it down. He's keeping us uh keeping us in Will. line. Maybe we should do a quick definition here. Okay, fine. Urban Dictionary. Yeah. That's where we had to go for this type of thing. We'll see if Willie Dude's on point or now. We're gonna check him up. Stunting. High class flashing of your jewelry, money riches. Oh. So is it the opposite? Made famous by the cash money millionaires. A person who stunts would be a stunner, usually showing off diamonds, gold, platinum, women, cars, and stacks of cash, large bills, see, bling, bling. So I think it's the same thing, actually. Let's see. Uh, what did I say it was? Flexing. Flexing. I think flexing is identical. Yeah, showing off, fronting. Okay, let's look up fronting. Acting like you are more or you have more than what really exists. Oh, interesting. See so where are, this thing goes. I think I'm stunning. I have them here. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I didn't, it's not like it makes me uh, rich or if it's a diamond or something, but in the tech world, I would say that's stunting to have that right now. Hmm. So you were on point regardless, man. We're just having fun with the, yeah. with the lingo here today. Either way, flexing, stunting, uh, it's stunting. You know what I mean? You don't put the G at the end. Yeah. I actually like pronouncing it fully, though. Stunting. <laughs> Even with an <laughs> with English, English accent. accent. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we examined these things, and it got me thinking because it's really, yes, I'm excited about the hardware. Yes, I'm excited about the next gen. Of course, I'm excited about the potential for 4K gaming at high frame rates. That's all cool stuff. But I'm also just really interested in the gaming business, and I'm really interested in the potential for... Uh, this Xbox All Access thing and just how human beings are going to interact with these devices, whether or not they're going to do uh, the financing, whether or not they're going to have all these premium services, whether or not they're going to have the monthly fee instead of the upfront cost. This All Access thing seems like seems like a bit of a deal. I got this article here from Joanna Nelius, Nelius on Gizmodo. She says, Xbox All Access is deeply confusing, but I think I figured it out. Uh, basically, the way it would break down is $25 per month on this over here, the Series S, or $35 per month over here for the Series X. Financing. Everything. 
financing, subscription, everything all in that fee. Mm -hmm. No upfront. Both plans then include Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. And what Ultimate does is it gives you access to Xbox games on PC, Android, and, uh, well, Android via Project xCloud. It also includes Xbox Live Gold and EA Play subscriptions at no additional cost. Individually, both subscriptions cost $15 and $5 per month, respectively, or $30 annually for EA Play. So it's all bundled in there, plus you're paying off the console in monthly installments, which which is the, uh, obviously that's why the price correlates with the more expensive unit. That's why you go up $10 per month to get this one. It's not just about the games that you're playing that's uh, uh, unlocking that for you. So that's a lot of value for your money and a lack of upfront apprehension because now it's just like, well, 25 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are you paying for Netflix these days? Yeah, you don't right. even buy it. You can't buy a game. I saw people it. are canceling their Netflix anyway. Yeah. You could just take that money and... There you go. I'm just... I'm goofing, Will. So uh, the monthly payments plus the Game Pass Ultimate and EA Play subscriptions make it seem like a steal. You end up playing paying slightly less than the MSRP on either... Because you subsidize the cost. Mm -hmm. Now, I know it's not going to be for everyone. Some people are against the idea of financing. They're saying, if I don't have the money today, I don't want to be mm -hmm. uh, s stretching out on that. I don't want to be going above the means, and then I can't afford it later on for whatever reason. So there, I, I understand it's not going to be for everyone, but it's an interesting new uh, way of interacting with your gaming. And it's a position where maybe Microsoft has a slight advantage over Sony. Mm -hmm. which, of course, they're going to get compared to. And the other one that they would likely get compared to would be Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And especially when you now have the Series S at the exact same price as the Nintendo Switch at mm -hmm. $299. So here you have a Willie Do showing off right now the different options for you listed on Microsoft's website. All the financing and everything happens right on here. You have $34.99 for 24 months, no upfront cost on the Series X, $24.99 for 24 months, no upfront cost for the smallest Xbox ever, the Series S. And then you have, actually, they're still selling the One S. I don't know who would get this right now. That seems pretty wild. I think you I think you can wait pre-order September 22nd. I think you should definitely wait for at least the Series S at this point, as opposed to going for the previous generation. But anyway, I bring up the $299 thing Will, because Nintendo is actually set to boost Switch production ahead of the holiday season. Gaming, gaming, gaming. It's all about gaming. Mm -hmm. People are trapped at home, and people have rekindled their relationship with their various game devices. Mm -hmm. They rekindled it, whether it's going to be Xbox, Sony, or Nintendo with the wildly popular Switch. Nintendo is telling partners to boost production to as many as 30 million consoles this year. And they're trying to ramp up for this holiday season where they think there's going to be a really high demand and they want to be ready to go. The Nintendo Switch, the standard version, $299. They also sell the Lite version, Will, which is $199. So coming in below either of these and certainly below whatever Sony's going to let you get, they... Uh, Nintendo is telling manufacturing partners to boost production to 30 million consoles 
the official forecast coming from the company was 19 million. Uh, last month, Nintendo reported a 428% surge in profit during the most recent uh, quarter, aided in part by the strength of the Animal Crossing New Horizons video game. Yeah, you can't get that on uh, Xbox or PlayStation. You ever heard of this game? Of course. No. You are oh, you? Uh, I don't play it. You're not involved, but you heard but I know about it's it. Big. It's a big deal. Yeah. I see it on social media. It's a big deal. Yeah. What is the concept of Animal Crossing? You're asking me. Yes. Uh, you're just building stuff, right? Collecting, building. You know how it is. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems to be a good fit for lockdown because it's one of those kind of... Very chill. Chill, but also like you're constantly improving upon. There's no end. It's not a... Yeah. It's not linear. And seasons change. More uh, opportunities for different things. Like I saw happen. people were growing and selling crops and... It's the kind of thing where you can dip in and dip out and yeah, yeah. you stay connected to it for a long period of time. The company sold more than 3 million Switch units and 2.6 million units of Switch Lite, as well as 10.6 million copies of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Mm. I remember when the game launched and the lockdown was first starting and people were still lined up over at the GameStop. They want to get that early, uh, that hot new Animal Crossing. Yeah, People were fired right up about yeah. it. Uh in a period ending June 30th, Nintendo's profits rose to 1.37 billion, more than twice the 71 billion yen that they were expecting. So, by the way, you got to do the conversion on that. 144 billion yen is 1.37 billion. Therefore, 71 billion yen is like, oh, I don't know, 700 million, something like this. I'm sure. just doing some yen conversions real quick. Yeah, I'm sure it's right. Anyway, so they expect things to be big. Nintendo wants to be ready. You have your option. I'm looking at you, audience. You get to choose this holiday season between an Xbox Series S at $299 or a Nintendo Switch at $299. What do you do? Is it going to be Animal Crossing or is it going to be I'll wait a while for Halo one day? Well, you got Game Pass. You got Game Pass. You get a lot of games. Relax. Relax. Speaking of gaming... Apple is going to be preventing users from signing into Epic Games after September 11th. September 11th. Oh, that's soon. that's soon, Willie. Do that's tomorrow. Is that tomorrow at this point no. that we're filming this? So that's today at the point that you're watching this, yeah. likely. Uh, you, Epic is telling people go onto your account, change your uh, email address associated with your account right now, or you will lose it. They're warning you because I guess there was some sort of a uh, collaboration there where you could use your Apple ID mm -hmm. as your sign-in yeah. for Epic Games. And if, obviously, when that gets removed, you would need to somehow remap it. Now, Epic is saying maybe there's a chance you could do it, but the best thing to do right now is to go change. This is a public service announcement. You got the skins, and I don't know what you're doing. You're in the Epic Games. You're on Fortnite. You pay for the skins, man. You're trying to save it, so you got to get your login sorted out. Important stuff. Like, if you, what if you can't log in to change your email Man, tomorrow or pe today? People are going to be sending emails to Epic. They're going to be sending emails to Apple. They're going to be saying, look, I got nothing to do with your beef. Yeah. Where's my stuff, and how do I get it? And Maybe it's, it has more to do with Epic, I guess, because there should be some sort of a way for them to figure out those previous accounts and whatever... 
criteria was associated with it. They and probably just sent a newsletter. Yeah. It's like, hey, do it. Probably, yeah, probably a mass email. Yeah. The battle between Apple and Fortnite creator Epic Games continues to escalate as users will no longer to be able to be able to sign into their account using sign in with Apple after September 11th. Users will be able to access their Epic Games account only if they change their email address before the deadline. If they oh. delay, they may lose access completely. Although Epic oh. says it may be able to recover the account manually, I don't. That's the idea. If you get to the, to that terrifying point of needing to email somebody and say my Apple ID was. And I want my new email to be, I mean, you're going to be better off just doing the thing on your own if you hope to save your progress, skins, whatever that, whatever else you got going on in your Epic Games account where you used Apple sign-in. Now, of course, you will need another device, too, to play the game, to be clear. Uh, because even if you recover the account, you're still kind of messed up on iOS. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Samsung is making... A 50, over 55% in profit for every Galaxy Note 20 Ultra that they sell. I don't know if that exceeds your expectations, if that's where you, you expect it to be. It's important to note before we dive deeply into this at all, when, we, when you're talking about profit, profit, ah, yes, you can look up the, the, the list of components inside of a device and try to figure out, okay, uh, here was their cost per unit, but... That's not the way that a manufacturer looks at it. They think about cost differently or they they do care about that cost as well and being profitable on a per unit basis if possible. But they've also got marketing costs, office space and mm -hmm. energy. I mean, there's like other costs that they would probably... Besides the hardware. Yeah, that would eat into their overall profit. Yeah. So you would say, oh, Samsung's just sitting on all this money. It's like, well, then they spend it in all these in this variety of ways to make you want to buy the thing in the first place. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of expenses, but it's still interesting nonetheless. Counterpoint Research, they uh, did an investigation, tried to figure out all the various uh, components that are inside of the Note 20 Ultra. I suppose the Note 20 Ultra is interesting because it is this really expensive device. If we're being honest here, you can see that the biggest expenditure inside of this device is from Qualcomm. Of course, it's related to the X55 5G modem and RF antenna system. That's $92.20. Uh, that comes alongside the Snapdragon 865 Plus, which is another $57 per unit. Those things come together. The cost to manufacture the 128 GB Note 20 Ultra, uh, 548 US dollars. Now, you know you can't buy one for that, Will. You know they're not going to give you one of those without turning a bit of a profit. Will's got the graph up there to showcase all the various brands that uh, are a part of the makeup of a Note 20 Ultra. Important to note, Will, when you see that giant chunk of this chart associated with Qualcomm, also remember Samsung sells an Exynos version of the device in some markets. And this is what gets people upset because you have to assume the cost of the goods when they're responsible for the chipset is going to be slightly less and therefore they're going to turn an even bigger profit in those regions in which they force you to get the Exynos chip as mm -hmm. opposed to the, the Snapdragon chip coming from Qualcomm at that higher expenditure. It's just important. It's an interesting component in the conversation here. Uh, so a full-priced Snapdragon-equipped Galaxy Note 20 Ultra yields $741 in profit if you're just going against the various components, if you're just looking at a list of the components that are inside. And uh, so that equates to around 57% per 
profit margin, not taking into consideration all the other costs. The way this thing works, Will, the more you go up the chain, the more you go towards flagship level, the more you're going to see these profit margins baked in because that's where they can be extracted. I don't see that. I don't take this as a surprise myself, but I, it also makes it a little bit easier to understand why some manufacturers can be more aggressive mm -hmm. and can find a way to deliver some pretty amazing spec sheets at lower price points and potentially turn a smaller profit, spend less money on marketing and all the rest. Of it. Mm -hmm. So kind of interesting. Ninja is uh, returning to Twitch. He did get an exclusive multi-year deal, will no longer be a free agent capable of streaming wherever he pleases. By the looks of it, I don't know the specifics of the deal when it comes to exclusivity. Maybe if he goes on some friend, some friends stream on YouTube, that might be okay. But mm -hmm. ever since the mixer shut down, he's been experimenting with other platforms. We saw him pop up on YouTube to some fairly respectable numbers. We've been following the Dr. Disrespect thing. Shroud, on the other hand, who was also a part of the original Mixer deal before the meltdown, the disbanding, and then the Facebook, uh, the short-lived potential to exist on Facebook gaming, he went back to Twitch, signed an exclusive deal. I remember watching the clip on Twitter. We now have our very own Ninja version of that I'm now on Twitch clip. You can play it. 12 seconds. That is Ninja. There he is. And I guess you'll see a Twitch logo here in a second. A new chapter begins. Look at those emotes. Are those called emotes? No. What are those called on Twitch? What do they call the little things that you get if you're a member and a privileged individual? They're emotes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was right. Why did I doubt myself? Anyway, so he has the announcement video. I don't know uh, what the what the scope of the deal is from a financial perspective. My understanding about the mixer meltdown or the mixer sale, whatever it was, was that some of those contracts that they had, those pre-existing contracts, they had to still pay out. So uh, streamers like Ninja and Shroud, they would still take money from the original deal even to exit. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just interesting to see if any of them were going to attempt to make a go of things on anywhere but Twitch. Twitch was the obvious place for them to go back to when Mixer shut down because that's where their businesses took off really that's where their persona lived for a really for a really long time so i was curious to see if anyone would try to make a go of it on youtube disrespect is doing it because well he has no choice course, yeah facebook didn't seem to really attract the attention of any of those big scale streamers uh and it just looks like it goes back to business as usual yep. go back to twitch sign the multi-year deal so it makes a lot of sense uh, one thing I will say, some of the Mixer people might be a little bit aggravated. Some of the old Mixer streamers not at the same scale as Ninja because they feel like they built an audience on Mixer maybe because so much attention was brought there from those bigger streamers and those deals. And for them, they'll have to start over and start fresh on Twitch, whereas Ninja can go back to a healthy community sitting and waiting. Right, yep. So... And it has less to do with Ninja and more just to do with those individuals and, and mm -hmm. possibly their uh, aggravation with Mixer and everything that happened. Right. But nonetheless, Twitch gets to gobble it all up. Mm -hmm. Twitch gets to have it all back. And Amazon. I'm sure I'm sure some of them will make a go and take a shot at YouTube, but Twitch is just that place for now, Will. It is, yeah. It's, when it comes to streaming games, it's, it's that place. SpaceX, we got some new information about SpaceX's satellite internet service. Well, we actually talked about this a little while ago, but now it's kind of official because SpaceX did a presentation or they sent a presentation to the FCC 
on last Friday, including their benchmarks of the new satellite internet service and some more details around latency and things like this. The uh, people had questions, is this really going to be fast internet? I know the original target was around a gigabit for satellite internet, connect anywhere. I mean, very exciting stuff. Yeah. It's up there floating around uh, the planet. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, now, obviously, it's going to take time to get up to that eventual, that, that sort of target level of connectivity. But these numbers, I think, are actually kind of promising. So we have two benchmark tests, tests that were shared uh, from... SpaceX to the FCC, we have a 102 to 103 megabit per second download rate, 40 to 42 megabit per second upload rate, and a latency of 18 to 19 milliseconds. Now, to put this in perspective, I know some, you got the pro gamers out there that they don't want, and they, they're trying to deal with zero latency, but the reality of the situation, most people with home connections are dealing with some degree of latency the average latency for fixed broadband in the u.s is 25 milliseconds and the rate on mobile is 48 milliseconds so it turns out it's actually kind of in the wheelhouse there yeah it's it's not terrible uh now they are uh, they're running some initial beta tests they're going to be rolling out some of these early tests to actually the northern part of the united states as well as the southern part of canada i don't know if you you get in touch with somebody, maybe we can do some speed tests. We can be some of the first to link up to the star link. It's quite possible. I know Willie do. You send emails here and there. Mm. Or maybe somebody reaches out to you. It's will at lulater.com. According to the presentation, SpaceX is manufacturing about 120 Starlink satellites each month. The goal is to launch thousands of them into space to enable worldwide coverage and download speeds of 1 Gbps. G. Not M. That's right. big time, man. That's big time from space. The company is on track to produce thousands of user terminals consumers can hook up at their homes to receive the satellite-based broadband. In addition, SpaceX plans on gearing up for a public beta trial for users across multiple U.S. states and, as I mentioned, other uh, polar regions. They actually want to reposition some of their current constellation right. in order to reach the polar regions, including Alaska. It's all very interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I remember reading on Elon Musk's Twitter about the reason why they're targeting the northern hemisphere first. It's a little bit easier, I guess, for for the time being, for the test run that's going on. Of course, the eventual goal to go global, to connect places that are kind of lacking connectivity as well. Yeah, I, I just hope that uh, they don't muddy the uh, space oh, yeah. with all the satellites. Oh, that's there. right. That's right. They got to put the... They're putting some kind of a cover on there. Yeah. They, they're figuring out a way to do a housing that's going to not reflect so much light and screw up the view of space. Mm -hmm. uh, well done, Willie. Yeah. You know, the, you know the, our, our pal over at Reliance Industries? He's not a pal, by the way. And Banny? Yeah. Um, maybe he's a pal. Mr. Maybe he's Gio. a Lou Later fan. We don't know. We, we obviously covered it. The workings over there. We cover what's going on. We've definitely covered all of the investment that's been taking place from all the big tech companies it's it's been it's been a laundry list it's been facebook it's been google we talked about Amazon. the potential upcoming uh, google phone yeah. and most of it has actually been centered into the tech side of the operations over there reliance geo operations not as much has been done in the retail side and the scope of the retail business is enormous for reliance They've got all kinds of stores over there. In fact, I'm just going to give you some numbers right now. Uh, 
India's largest Reliance Industries runs supermarkets. India's largest consumer electronics chain store, cash and carry wholesaler, fast fashion outlets, and an online grocery store called GeoMart. You're talking about 22 billion in revenue in the year through March 2020. The unit operates 12,000 stores in, in nearly 7,000 towns. Okay, big time stuff, big time retail. You would be sitting there thinking, all right, what's going to happen with Amazon? Amazon had big plans to go into, well, into retail, essentially. Maybe not necessarily retail on the ground level, but commerce, mm -hmm. e-commerce in India. Apparently, a deal is now on the table. Reliance Industries is offering Amazon a $20 billion stake in their own retail arm, joining forces. Mm. And to go up against, of course, competitors like Walmart, who they've got their stake in Flipkart. Flipkart, yes. What Amazon doesn't have in India, however, Will, is they don't have anything on the ground level. And that is still the primary way in which Indian shoppers interact with the goods that they want. You mean... Brick and mortar? Transact I'm talking brick and mortar. And I learned this when I was there when it came to smartphones. I saw the little, you know, the Oppo shops and the... Vivo stores. And the yeah. Vivo store. Mm -hmm. It was everywhere. The little corner stores, man, that you would go to pick this stuff up. And a lot of shoppers, there, they still operate like that. Mm -hmm. And so if Amazon wants to hit the hit the, the NOS button, that's a Fast and Furious reference we came back to. It's the funny... If they want to hit the booster on Indian growth and recognition... They're going to probably have to have some play in that area. It can't just be strictly. I mean, they could do whatever they want. Bezos could do whatever he wants. But this is a quick way to plug into that whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's an expensive way. It's a $20 billion way. Mm -hmm. And how about the fundraising that Reliance is doing? They did somewhere close to $20 billion on the on the, uh, on the digital venture, on the technology side, mm -hmm. which on just the geo side, they did close to $20 billion. They let everybody in. Google, Facebook, and so forth. Now they want $20 billion on the retail side. Holy moly. Big numbers. Yeah. And big players. So it's not a, a one-way street. If Amazon gets involved, you have to believe there's some advantage. Reliance gains, they get $20 billion bucks to go invest in these stores, make these stores nicer, roll them out to bigger regions. And, of course, Amazon gets to extend that footprint into India, not strictly in an e-commerce way, but in a tactical kind of brick-and-mortar way. They're all stunting now. That's right. Everybody's stunting. Everybody's stunting in India. Well, definitely Bezos and definitely Ambani. Mm -hmm. Google launched a product called Fundo, and this flew under my radar big time. This lets creators get paid by hosting virtual meet and greets. It seems like the right time for something like this to exist. 2020, everybody trapped indoors looking for any, any way to interact. How mm. can I interact? Let me interact. Anyway, it's a product called Fundo. It comes out of Google's Area 120 incubator. Google is in, involved in so many different uh, investments and startups, and it's hard to keep it all together. But uh, this one is a product that lets an influencer, I hate the term influencer, it lets a person who posts stuff online for fans interact directly one-to-one -one or one-to-four to, to actually... Will's laughing right now. This reminds me of Cameo. Yeah, Cameo. Yeah. Well, but Cameo, though, first of all, for those that don't know, Cameo is like you pay $5, $10, $20, and you get a shout-out from, from a celebrity, right? Yeah. But you're not in a one-to-one -one interaction. You just get a video clip. 
-hmm. It's not as intimate. What Fundo's doing is they actually are actually connecting everyone in a video conference and the individual hosting it can set it up in advance. Like that's a real estate guy on YouTube, yeah. for example, and he does a workshop. I don't know what he charged $600 for like the real tips. And <laughs> just ban someone. <laughs> yeah, you could just ban someone as yeah. well. I don't know. They might do something inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, I don't know what this girl does, for example, but let's assume you're a guru in some way. Let's say somebody will really wants to sit down with me and say, I want to tell you my uh, application in life for a certain piece of technology. I want to say, I'm a student. I'm a this. I'm that. I want your recommendation mm. on this one thing. And it's a big investment for that person or something. I don't know. Or I want yeah. to learn how to do a YouTube channel or whatever. Right, right, right. You could set up a workshop for that or you could set up a smaller meet and greet or something along these lines. Now, it does get a bit weird because you charge money for it. And I don't know how much you're supposed to charge for this type of thing. I think that guy picked 600 on the demonstration video right there for his thing. But if he's offering good information, then so be it. Either way, it kind of gets my wheels turning just about how interesting it would be for some people. I meet a lot of people in public, right? Yeah. And you have a personal exchange. And it's way different than what you can do through video. Because when people ask me for advice on tech or, or something something like that, I always ask them something about themselves. Mm -hmm. I hit them with another question because it's not a blanket thing. You no. can't just come and say, this is the best thing for everyone. And it's that's actually the, irresponsible. Yes, and it's that. the problem with the whole review thing in mm -hmm. many cases is that it's we ha there has to be generalizations in order to do the review and put together the package. It's impossible to talk to everyone directly. The technology just doesn't allow for it. However... And I think anybody who's in this space could probably agree. When you meet somebody, you say, what are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. Or I had an exchange uh, with a fan the other day who asked me about, the, about going for an iPad or a MacBook. And then I asked him immediately, what are you going to use it for? And he said, well, I'm going to go to business school. And that influenced my decision on what I wanted to recommend. It's a very personal choice, these things. Mm -hmm. And so I look at the, one, the potential for a one-to-one -one connection as being sort of interesting. If this thing can get enabled, I don't know, maybe since it's a Google product, it could actually get embedded into YouTube at some point. Mm -hmm. This just gets my wheels turning. That's all it will. Right on. But for the time being, it's fundo.town. People, you can sign up and actually do this thing, I think, right away. I okay. think you can actually test it out right now. Uh, Kanye West is ended up on my news feed because he was recently in the hospital for too much texting. I think it was in my news feed because of the texting part, because... The, it kind of there's a technology edge to it mm. i mean to text you gotta be on a smartphone addicted mm. to the smartphone mm. maybe not addicted but for whatever reason get the smartphone messed up his thumb and i think by the way his smartphone of choice is an iphone which sometimes he holds upside down which then leads many to believe he's holding some next generation phone that's not even out yet because uh. they don't see the notch on it that uh. was a whole news story one time anyway and the truth of the matter is a lot of people spend a lot of time on their phones and our bodies aren't necessarily all that set up for it. You know, you get the neck crouched and I remember reading the people, all the neck surgeries in Korea going up and, and you get the lower back and you're hunched. And I got to remind myself on a posture every so often with the phones and the screens. Willie do got to sit up straight yeah, as well. It's uh, very I contagious a, too. I got a new chair over there that's supposed to encourage it. I'm going to test that out okay. soon as well. It's got like a, well, you'll see it in an upcoming video likely. Anyway, Kanye goes to Twitter. He says, too much texting, bro. He captioned a photo. I had to get the cortisone mixed with a sprinkle of lidocaine to treat my condition. He says it worked right away. The wonders of modern medicine, 24 to 48 hours. 
Uh, it was a series of tweets, including an x-ray of his actual uh, wrist and thumb. So uh, he's obviously on that phone quite frequently. I don't know if he's tweeting, texting. I'm not sure who Kanye's talking to on the daily, but it's enough so to end up over here getting... Maybe if he had the new... Maybe if he had this one, uh, what what the uh, Samsung Z Galaxy Fold Z Fold? I hate. I'm never gonna get. Just why wasn't it just the Fold too? What do we need the Z now? You know what I'm saying. But anyway, maybe if he had this one, let me just bring up a keyboard real quick over here. If he had this one right here, look at the split keyboard on that. You can see my search terms too, by the way. Top defensive teams, NBA, box scores, Toronto Raptors. I was checking after last night because they, I was curious. I wanted to look at the stat line. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Pascal Siakam's been struggling. I think he was, he missed five three-pointers last yeah, night. Yeah, he didn't do too well last night. I hope, I hope he can find it. He can catch some rhythm coming to Friday. Game seven is the best thing in sports anyways for the sports fans out there. But I'm just curious, if Kanye got the split keyboard here, this is way less cramped. The, the way they do it on this device, the Z Fold 2, which has been in my pocket, by the way, having some interesting feelings about it. Yeah. Anyway, when you, when you have the split keyboard, you can't see my hands over here, but I'm not crammed, and the thumbs, it's a lot less... Uh, uh, comfy. Because when you have the regular, I mean, I have a regular, when you have the regular device, it's tight like this. Uh -huh. Your hands are kind of tight together, and so you got to get those thumbs. They got to go there. Yeah. But when you have the big, when you have the big thing going on, you actually they don't get jammed up as much. You're kind of you spend more time out here towards the middle. I don't know. Am I giving Kanye advice? He's not going to see this. But anyway, send it to him. Send him that advice that maybe another way to fix his thumbs is to try out the Z Fold Two, which I know he's an iPhone guy, so probably. Wouldn't be enough, but it might be worth it. If your mm -hmm. thumbs, look, if you're getting x-rays and shots, it might be worth it to think about the bigger display for all that texting. Shout out to uh, Kanye West and his thumbs.